Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When he went in the garden, Judas kissed him, to identify him because he was so common looking, so normal, nobody would have known what he, who he was. So Judas went in to kiss him and the soldiers knew who he was because Judas kissed him. He's just a normal guy, just a common guy. You know, he didn't, Jesus didn't walk around with the lights on him. And everywhere he went was stereo. Angels like following him. That would just annoy me to no end. You know what I mean? I'd be like, look. Y'all gonna have to go somewhere. Okay? Turn that off. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, you see people and in the movies, they got Jesus looking like some weirdo and a light, you know, all over him. And every time they do a face shot, you know, his eyes are lit. Just the eyes. Jesus wasn't weird. He was humble. He was so humble when he came riding in Jerusalem. He came riding on a donkey, which speaks of what? Humility. He did not come in a bulletproof limousine with an entourage. <laughs> Earpieces. Jesus coming in. Jesus coming in. Breaker, breaker, where, where, where Jesus is, he's just about to pull in. He's just about to pull in. He made a left turn. We don't know why he made a left. He normally goes right, but him, he made a left. I don't, I don't understand it. Jesus was a normal guy. He was humble. Paul was humble. And the people of God in leadership and ministry should be what, saints? Humble. That's right. And Paul says, I lived among you in humility and in tears and in trials. Notice in verse 20, he says, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and I taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks. And here was the testimony. Here was the, the preaching. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus. And then Paul says the spirit has shown him that he is going to Jerusalem and he's going to be bound in chains as he goes to Jerusalem. Don't you remember where you with us? Acts chapter nine, when Paul, who was Saul, got saved on the road to Damascus. And the first thing God tells him. Saul, I'm going to show you the things that you must suffer for my name. I mean, I don't know about you. Paul's going to Jerusalem to suffer. I mean, bound in chains and God's first words to him when he got saved was, I'm going to show you the things that you must suffer for my name. I mean, if God said to me, Rodney, when you get to Apex, you're going to suffer. 
I'd say, well, could we move to Raleigh? <laughs> Holly Springs, Fuquay. Look, God, I'll even live in Lizard Lick. <laughs> I just learned that there's a Lizard Lick, North Carolina. I didn't even know that. I'm like, who in the world lives in Lizard Lick? I guess there's some folks living there. But Lizard Lick. But who wants to suffer? No one. Don't you remember Jeremiah the prophet? He said, God, every time I tell people about you, I get beat up. And he said, that's it. I'm not going to preach anymore, speak your name anymore. And then he said, I'm joining a nonprofit organization. I worked on that one all week. And then don't you remember the story? I love it when Jeremiah then said, he says, but, but, but I can't help it. He said, because God's word was like, what? Fire, shut up in my bones. I can't keep silent. I had to speak. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. God's word was burning in his soul. Just burning in his soul. So Paul says, I'm going bound. But this doesn't hinder me, he said, because it's my desire to finish my race with joy and the ministry in verse 22 that I received from the Lord. And then in verse 25, we fast forward just a bit. Paul says, you all will never see me again. And I testify to you that I am innocent in blood in verse 26, that I am innocent of the blood of all men. You see, Paul is referring to if you're a note taker in your Bibles right in the margin, you can make an arrow and write Ezekiel chapter three, because Paul is referencing Ezekiel three and his teaching on the watchman and how the watchman's on watch. And because he's on watch, he's free from the blood of all men. He's made that clarion call. Ezekiel three, read that in your own time. Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And here's why. Did you notice this verse 27 saints? Can I get you to look at it again in verse 27? Notice he says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Here's why. Because I have not shunned to declare to you the note this, the half counsel. Tell me that's not in your Bible. Because if it is, we got to talk. He says, I'm not shunned to declare unto you what? The whole counsel of God. Did you notice that? He says, I've preached the whole gospel. You see, this is a statement that every single pastor, teacher, I have the opportunity to talk to lots of pastors. Give me your attention. I talk to lots of pastors, and here's what I tell them. Pastor, teacher, minister, you need to teach the word. You need to, because someday when you stand before God, this is what I want to say. When I stand before God in that day, I want to be able to say, God, I have declared unto Calvary Chapel Cary the whole counsel of the word of God. That's a statement I want to be able to make. I want to be able to say, God, that I've taught Genesis from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. God, I want to be able to say that I've preached the whole counsel of the word of God. And maybe you're here and you say, well, Rodney, I've been hearing you preach the council, but I don't agree with some of it. Well, that's fine. God will show you I'm right when we get to heaven. But I'm just. <laughs> the whole council, the whole council of the word of God. Listen, I'll tell you what you can't say. You won't be able to say that I didn't declare it unto you. And whether you agree with it or not, OK, fine. 
But my point is, and every minister's point should be to declare and have a time. Maybe you don't do verse by verse on Sunday morning. That's fine. I'm not saying you have to do it like us. I'm saying, you know, you need to have a time where you get your church together and you teach them the word of God. Can I tell you something? This church has grown based on the verse by verse teaching of the word. We don't have nothing fancy here. And nothing fancy, no dancing bears, no no fancy stuff, nothing, you know, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. We don't have nothing, nothing fancy, nothing going on. It's like people come here and go, that's it? I go, yeah, what you want? I'm going to tease the word, y'all can worship the Lord and go home. We ain't trying to give you lunch. Well, maybe today we might have to give you dinner, but... But the word of God is so important. And we have to be able to say that we have not diverted from, that we've taught it all. That means that you've hit all the difficult verses and you hit all the easy verses and you've hit all the verses that the church is divided over. When you preach the full counsel of God, you have to hit all the topics in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but have you noticed that the one topic that I hear so much in the church is the topic of money, All the time, you can turn on the TV any given time, and the topic is money, money, money. They should be getting some kickbacks on that song. Money, 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 money. Come on, y'all know it. Where'd it go? Money. Come on. Oh, y'all sanctified in church, I know. Okay, fine. Money, money, money. Then you come back the next week and the sermon topic is on faith, faith, faith. And then you come back the next week and they change it and it's faith which produces money, money, money. It's unbelievable. You know, I got up this morning. I, I was, you know, getting ready for church. I turn on the TV, get the news, you know, I'm aware for the day or whatever and check the weather and I turn to a TV preacher generally. And this morning I was mortified, stopped in my tracks. I told him first second I'd tell you. Stopped in my tracks. I heard this guy talking about dominion and authority. That's another misunderstood topic in the church. Dominion and authority. And this guy, I kid you not, this is what he said this morning. He says, you have authority over God. That should shock you out of your seats. He said, boldly proclaim, you have authority over God. I'm not going to tell you his name, although I want to. I will tell you, he's from Georgia. That's all I'm going to say. That's why I asked y'all don't get a CD out because I'm going to get killed. <laughs> Not killed, killed. You know you're dead when you've been killed. <laughs> you're really dead. He said you have authority over God. He said you have authority over death. I'm like, what are you taking? That's just weird. I'm sorry. Listen, death is a great equalizer. The statistics prove that 100 out of every 100 people will die. Fact, you don't have authority over death and you don't have authority over God. And if you have authority over God, then why aren't you God? No one has authority over God. Somebody clap their hands and say amen. (laughs) Nobody has authority over God. What is that? But you have authority. 
You need to take authority. And he goes on and on and on. The people are just getting all revved up. And the thing that bothers me most about this, I know I need to, I'm getting behind time here. But this is the thing that bothers me most about this is that it damages people. It destroys and shipwrecks people's faith. Because listen, if you got authority over death, then what about that time when you die? Not if you die, but when you die. And suppose God uses cancer to take you out. Suppose God's going to use something. Look, you might leave here and get hit by a bus. And don't get paranoid. Some of y'all are like, don't cross the street, might get hit. We can't go home today. Now, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. It just shipwrecks people's faith because it's happened where a guy was preaching faith and healing and dominion and authority and the pastor wind up with cancer, unfortunately. And how do you explain that to your congregation of 5,000 people that you've been preaching to? How do you explain that the pastor's been preaching one message and yet this has happened to him? The reality is, is that life happens and that God is God. And it is God who gives breath to man. And it is God who takes the breath out of man when God chooses to. And none of us are God. And none of us have the right to tell God what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Because that's what makes him God. We call that sovereignty. That's a big theological word. It just says God does whatever he wants. And nobody can have authority over God. And I'm mortified to hear these things. It's very, very, very sad. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in money. I believe in faith. I believe in money. I believe in faith. (laughs) I believe in healing. I believe in authority. I believe in the authority that God gives the believer. And I believe in the authority that the Bible teaches that we believers have. It's biblical authority, not some weird perverted authority, but biblical authority. I believe in these things, but we need to declare the whole counsel of the word of God. Amen, saints? The whole counsel. That's how you learn that. You know, it was Isaiah in chapter 28, verse 10. Isaiah said this, whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand? No, it's on the board. And whom will he make to understand the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those who are just drawn from the breast. Can you see this, saints? Can you read it with me? For a precept must be upon precept. Come on, read it with me. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Listen, Isaiah gives us, talking about preaching the full counsel of the word of God. Isaiah gives us God's prescription on how God's word is to be taught, on how God's word is to be communicated, on how God's word is to be presented in a way that anyone can understand it. God's word should be presented who when the mature believer learns from the word, they can continue to grow and be fed. And even a newborn babe in Christ can grow and be fed because the word of God has a system. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Anyone can grow. You know, someone once said the simple teaching of the scriptures are deep enough to drown a theologian and shallow enough that a babe could sit in and be safe. Everyone can grow from God's word. And it is so sad in the church today that it is difficult to find a church that is teaching the Bible. Isn't it hard? Not teaching from the Bible. Listen, there is a difference. Listen close, would you? Teaching from the Bible is different than teaching the Bible. Teaching from the Bible. People tell me, well, you know, I read this book and, you know, it's very scriptural. 
and, and they've got scripture verses in it. Well, that's getting verses from the Bible. A lot of churches get verses from the Bible. It's almost like springboarding off of a diving board or something. You know, they open a verse and they read it and then they, you know, dive in. And for the next two hours, they just talk about whatever. And you could close your Bible because you don't need it. That's teaching from the Bible. But teaching the Bible is when you are teaching the Bible verse by verse and teaching the whole council going through the word of God. We need to go through the word of God. Second Peter chapter two, verse 20 tells us, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, what does that mean, Rodney? Because how often have we heard people say, well, I've got my own interpretation. Everyone has their own interpretation. Have you ever heard that before? That everybody has that? Raise your hand if you have. Oh, I got my own interpretation. Listen, there's only one interpretation. It's God's. Now, what does that mean? Well, it simply means this. You can't interpret the scriptures without the rest of the Bible that deals with that subject. This is not talking about individuals who have their own private interpretation. It means, listen, that in every verse in the entire Bible is subject to every other verse in the entire Bible. Do you understand now? Say amen. In other words, scripture, let me say it another way. Scripture interprets scripture. We are not free to look at a verse and say, well, this is what it means to me. What we have to do is look at a verse and say, now, what does this mean to, to the Bible? Because scripture interprets scripture from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. And thus, there's no private interpretation. We will all, as we are good students of the word, we will all come to the same conclusion as it relates to the word of God. And so, Paul, that's why I love verse by verse, by the way. That's why I love it. It's safe. Verse by verse is safe. People come to the church and, you know, listen, if you come and you hear something, you might sound like, you know, like you might say, Rodney, what did my wife tell you? Because you said something. What did my wife tell you? Listen, wife didn't tell me anything. Matter of fact, I don't even know you. I mean, my wife didn't tell me anything. But when you teach verse by verse, see, what happened is that Sunday you came to church and God had a word for you. Somebody once said it like this. If you hear something, say ouch or amen. <laughs> you come to church and you hear us talking about money. Listen, don't be offended. Don't be alarmed. The next week you come back, we'll be talking about something else. And it won't be faith which produces money. Because we teach verse by verse. There's a safety in teaching verse by verse. Well, Paul says, I declare the whole counsel of God and I am free from bearing the responsibility or the blood of all men. Look at verse 28. Paul tells them to take heed unto themselves. And Paul says, I've been faithful to declare the whole counsel. Now take heed to yourselves, ministers and pastors. Paul says, shepherd, feed the flock. Feed the church which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. Paul says in verse 29, look at it. He says, watch out for the church, because after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. After my departure, man, when I read that, I was thinking, I said, you know, you guys remember you were here probably third service when I had to go out for my surgery and was going to be gone for two months and, and two and a half months. And, and man, that broke my heart. I mean, after third service, if you were here, you know, I was like all broke down and I was crying and just it was an emotional moment. And me and Ovira walking away. She go, honey, it's going to be all right. I'm like, no, it ain't. <laughs> I'm going to die. 
Oh, God, I'm, I can't leave. I can't leave. It was just tore me up. I was all broke down. And, and you know, and Paul says, hey, I'm never going to see you again. Not on this earth. It's a very emotional moment. But then to top it off, Paul says, I know that after I go, grievous and savage wolves are going to come in and it's going to rip the church apart. Men are going to notice, Paul says, it's going to rise up from among you. These false teachers, these wolves rise up from within the church. They rise up from among you, speaking perverse things to make disciples for themselves and not for Jesus. Paul says, after I leave, there's going to be trouble within and trouble from without, from wolves. How do we know them? How can we identify them? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, you might want to order this CD teaching, but in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You'll know a wolf, a false teacher, a false prophet by their fruits. Now, let me give you two more ways. If you're taking notes, you write these down. Two more ways to identify false teachers. Number one, listen to what they say about the Bible. I'm moving quicker. Listen to what they say about the Bible. Number one, if they tell you God's word is not the infallible, inerrant word of God, or they tell you, oh, brother, I've got some new thing to share with you. Listen, run like the Dickens. That's false. If it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. New age is an old lie. Listen to what they say about the Bible. Number one, you can tell a false teacher, a wolf. And secondly, watch what they eat. What do you mean, Rodney? Jesus said that they were wolves in sheep's clothing. So if you see a sheep over in the corner eating a sheep, you know it's a wolf. (laughs) Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, sheep don't eat lamb chops. Are you feeling me? Sheep eat grass. Watch what they eat. Because if they're eating sheep and devouring sheep and trying to get into the home fellowships so they can teach some weird things to draw disciples after themselves or to the koinonia groups and they're going to get to know people and after a while start telling you some weird thing, they're devouring the sheep. And God says, watch out for that. Watch what they're eating and watch what they say about the Bible. It's not that hard. God knows we're not that quick. So he makes it simple for us. And then in verse 31 through 38, as I close, Paul's warning these men to stay awake and encouraging them to warn others. And he says, I commend you to God in the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Notice Paul says, I haven't coveted anyone's silver or gold or Armani suits or Versace or Docker or whatever you wear, apparel. Paul says, hey, I work with my own hands. I worked as a tent maker when he went into cities to help the people who were with him. Nobody paid Paul to preach. He worked and he helped the people with him. And, 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 you know, which, by the way, I told him first and second, can I tell you, when I go speak and guest speak places, I don't get paid. Nobody pays me. I'm not hired because Rodney is not for sale. I don't take money. You don't have to give me a dime. You ask me to come speak. I will pray about it. If God tells me to come, I'll come at my own expense. I wouldn't let you pay me. Number one, because 
I want to be free to preach the gospel. I can't have nobody telling me, well, now, brother, you can only say this. Because I, I ain't no, 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 no. If I come, I'm going to say what the Lord gives me to say. If you don't like that, take it up with him or don't call me. <laughs> Love you, mean it. Love the people. Paul says, and nobody paid me. I work with my own hands. I helped the people that came along with me. I supported the weak because I remember what Jesus said when he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And when you look in the Gospels, you will never find those words coming out of the mouth of Jesus. But we know from John, as he tells us that the volumes of the book of all that Jesus said, the volumes of the world couldn't hold all that he said. And so we know, as it's been passed down from the disciples and from others, that Jesus obviously said it is more blessed to give than receive. And that is true. It's very true. And then Paul said these things, and then he kneeled down and he prays. And every one of them, including Paul, was crying and sorrowing, most of all, that they would never see him again. And then they walked him to the ship, and he got on it. And the pastor's conference has come to a close. And it's beautiful, and it's awesome that we learn from Paul some principles and points of leadership and what it means to be a true leader and a true shepherd of God. Preach the word. Pastor, teacher, visitor, If you go to a church that teaches from the Bible, like springboarding from a verse, and there's never a time where they're going verse by verse, that should concern you. It doesn't, I don't care if they do it 12 a.m. Friday morning. It doesn't matter. Your pastor needs to be taking you through the word at some point. You know, here at Calvary Chapel, we go through the word all the time, and we're spoiled. I'll tell you what, if you move and you try to go find a church, it's going, to be, it's going to be tough. I mean, people email us and send for my CDs all the time because they can't find a place teaching the Word, and there's a famine in the church, and I'm so sorry for that. A famine of the Word of God. But we are to be good students of the Word. God has given us this Word that it might strengthen us and encourage us. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.